Welcome in to another episode of the Generosity Freak Show. Today we're going back in time to a conversation that Brady had with Diane Latiker. She is the founder of Kids Off the Block in Chicago, and they work to provide activities and educational opportunities for young people in the hopes of providing an alternative to joining a gang. Today you get to listen in to some of Diane's story, you get to hear more about the good work that Kids Off the Block is doing, and hopefully you'll be inspired to use your position, your skills, and your talents to do more good and to grow generosity along the way. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. I said, welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. Hi, Diane. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Brady. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for taking some time today. Oh, I, I'm, I'm so thankful for this opportunity. So I want to dive right in and start with a real hard-hitting question. Uh, Cubs or Sox? <laughs> I'm a Sox fan, but so proud of the Cubs. Oh, that's that's such a political answer, Diane. That that was That was good. <laughs> You're a smooth operator right there. Uh, if you said Cubs, I think that may have been the end of the interview right there. So good answer. <laughs> now, um, we're going to talk a lot about Kids Off the Block, the organization you started in 2003. But um, just tell tell us a bit more about what you were doing before then and what led you to start uh, this organization. So before that, I was doing construction. Um, and then uh, I left that to do hair which is like going around the world and coming back. <laughs> my mom opened up a, a hair salon for my sisters and I, and we went to school and got our licenses. And uh, I did that for nine years. And I was doing that when uh, she mentioned to me about doing something for the kids in my neighborhood. And um, I hated doing hair. I tell everybody that it's no <laughs> secret. Um, but it was, you know, I had an income. Um, so, um, my mom mentioned to me because my daughter was at home. I have eight kids, by the way, four boys and four girls. Uh Um, I know everybody goes, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I had, my youngest one was at home at the time. Everybody else was gone and she was 13 and I wanted to keep up with her until she graduated from high school and went to college. And my thinking was that I would be free to go fishing and (laughs) do all the things I wanted to do. Uh, And my mom saw that uh, I was, uh, her friends liked me a lot. She had nine friends, boys and girls, ages 13 to 15. And she said, you should do something with those kids. They like and respect you. And again, I didn't want to do that. Um, And thought about it for three days, prayed a lot. And then I asked Aisha's friends to come in my house. And I sat down with them and asked them, how could I help them? Not knowing anything about an organization, EIN number, program. (laughs) And once I got through talking to them, they told me about how the gangs were trying to recruit the boys and how they were failing in school. And I said, well, at least I can try to do something. Hmm. So that's how it got started. And I, I had nothing to work with, but I wanted to help however I could. And then it, from there, you, what happened after that? Just more kids started coming to your house or what happened? Oh, my goodness. Um, what, what happened was 
uh, I woke up uh, a couple of days later and there were like five, six, maybe seven kids at my door who said they heard about this house and this lady could help them. And they were teenagers and they wanted to get out of the gangs and some of them had dropped out of school and they wanted to get back in and some were even homeless. I remember the first set of kids, two of the kids were homeless and and I let them sleep on my dining room floor, uh, you know, until I could find somewhere for them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it just snowballed from there in the span of almost three months. I had 75 kids in my apartment day and night. <laughs> Uh, And I tell everybody that's the first time that my husband said he would divorce me because he had no (laughs) idea. He said, what are you doing? We could barely make it ourselves. (laughs) And he was right. He was right. I just, I, I, it was like I was over, you know, I don't know. I just went crazy with uh, something. And I realized later it was passion. Uh, Mm. I had found my passion at 46 years old Mm. and I, and I hadn't recognized it at the time. And what do you think was so attractive about, you know, you and this kind of safe space that you were providing where kids were just, you know, flocking in droves, it sounds. What what do you think it was? Well, I found out that they were looking for uh, a hmm. safe space. Uh, sometimes there were six gangs in my living room and um, from diff- all different factions. And, and they were looking for a place because they all grew up together. Hmm. So they were looking for a place in their community. Uh, and somebody that cared. And I, I I think the attraction was that they could come there and feel safe. But not only that, they could get help with issues that they couldn't find in school or, or at home. And I, I, I just, it just amazed me the things they were saying, like they, they needed help with so many things. They had so many issues. And um, they just wanted somebody to help with that. It just seems so kind of simple, right? And it and it was, mm. and it really was. And and I and I had to really like um, say, Diane, you're helping in a way that is not. You don't have to have a million dollars. You don't have to have a million dollar building, five degrees. They just want you to be here. Mm. One of um. One of uh, your key objectives at, at Kids Off the Block is to promote, to provide exposure to other cultures, ethnic groups, communities, activities. Why is that a key objective of, of your organization? Why do you think that's so important? Because I think our young people are confined to their environment. And I wanted them to know uh, that it's a world out there. And that there are people out there besides me who care and that there are so many opportunities beyond their blocks and that um, the gang is not the only place they can go uh, to feel safe or to seek out um, opportunities for themselves. Mm. And so to me, it was so important to reach out to people beyond my own boundary um, and include them um, no matter race, you know, none of that stuff, occurred to me personally because I had this naive, you know, I was naive because uh, I didn't know all the ins and outs, but I believe that everybody cared about our young people. Right. And I wanted to reach out to everybody I could. Hmm. You know, from a distance, if you just like read the news and see the headlines, you know, things sure seem pretty dire in, in Chicago or your neck of the woods. Uh, you know, how do you maintain hope and try to instill 
hope in, in yourself and the people around you? Well, let me first say that I hate that perception of us mm. because I know so many here in Chicago who are helping and supporting and uh, giving their lives up to make Chicago a better city. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the hope is in the young people because when they when they tell me these these simple words, Miss Diane, if that door wasn't open, I'd probably be dead or in jail. Or they say thank you. Or or I was able to finish high school. You know, I was able to graduate from college. You know, um, those things keep me hopeful. Mm. Uh, along with all the people I know that are just like me who want to see um, the young people flourish and not die in the street from violence. How do you, how do you suggest that that people um, get involved in such uh, in like your work or similar work with like at risk youth and gun violence? Because I think there's a lot of people who who want to get involved, but they're, they're maybe scared or they don't know, like, what can I do? You know, I'm just one person. What do you say when you run into those people? Well, first of all, I say I'm one person Mm. and I was more scared not to do anything than I am to do something. So, and I would, I would tell them there are issues in your neighborhood or your community that you're concerned about. The thing is to find the people who are already doing the work, and join with them. Mm-hmm. There's power in numbers and unity. Mm-hmm. But if there's not, create it. I mean, a, we all need each other, right? We all need each other, no matter where we are. So that that's you know? a great point because, you know, I um, run into tons of people who, who want to do something and a lot of them say, I'm going to start my own nonprofit. And part of me has this moment of fear of saying, like, there's so many organizations out there, you know. Yes. Don't don't start your own. Go partner with one. But at the same time, then you see these examples of, you know, your organization and others that did start and needed to be started. Um, do you run into people who, who are like, I want to start a nonprofit? And what do you say to that? All the time. <laughs> I run into them all the time, every almost every day. And I, I, I ask them, is there anybody in your community already doing that? Because See, that was one of my things. At the the beginning, I didn't look around to see because I didn't know. So I didn't know who to look for to see if they were already doing it. I just knew I needed to do something. Right. Uh, But if I looked around, I probably would have found other organizations that were doing it. Um, So that's what I I encourage them to do. Look around. See who's already doing it. Because if you care, somebody else cares. Right. You know, so look around. See who's doing something. Get involved with them. You know, and really the the rewards are more for you than the people you are actually helping, because if you really want to help someone, the feeling inside of you is just for myself is phenomenal. And so that that kind of correlates to the people you're helping. And when they know that you are really helping them because you care, then they help. They want to help and they want to care. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. It's uh, it's great advice for two reasons. One, obviously, like there's organizations that have, you know, the EIN number and some of those painful paperwork things already sorted out. Um, but then also it forces you to really think, like, why do you want to start this? Is it about, you know, is it about you and you, like you want this organization or is it really about helping people? Because if it's fundamentally just about helping people, the quickest path is probably just joining something that's already going on. It's the the quickest, easiest route is not starting your own organization. Like that is hard. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Is that hard? (laughs) (laughs) 
This is my fourteenth so, year, and and uh, it's still sometimes perplexing, literally. <laughs> what What are some of maybe the the key either like um, lessons learned over that you know fourteen years running your nonprofit, good or bad? Well, I learned that, and, and this is the part that I hate to say, but I learned that I can't save everybody because everybody used to tell me that, and I go, why not? Mm. But I realized that I can't save everybody. I might can touch a lot of, you know, everybody, but I can't save them. I also learned that we are not an island. We need everybody. And you can't close the door to opportunities and resources because you didn't like the way somebody's hair looked or how they blinked their <laughs> eye at you. <laughs> you know, you you work with everybody to to further uh, give opportunities to the people that you serve. Because it's about them. And and I also realized that it's bigger than me. And it always has been. And so my work is to serve in my capacity, but to further the work by creating uh, opportunities for people who can keep it going. And what about um, the, the big F word here, fundraising? I know, you know, a common stories, you know, I got involved, I wanted to help. Before I knew it, I was running a nonprofit and the paperwork, but then there's this whole, you know, fundraising side. What's your experience been on the fundraising side of trying to raise the support you need? That's a scary word. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I am not, uh, I wear a lot of hats, but that's not one of them. Mm -hmm. I have to seek out people as far as fundraising is concerned. What I have been able to do is to generate um, a donor base of individuals who care about the work that we do. Right. And they keep us going. And do we need grants? Of course we do. Of course we do. We don't get any right now, but we're hoping we will sooner or later get a grant writer and get grants. But in the meantime, um, what's been working for us is um, getting individual people who believe in what we do and they help support it. And has that changed at all over over the years? You know, did you start relying on a certain group of people and now 14 years down the road, the, that group of supporters looks totally different? Or, you know, has it been the same core group that's kind of helped you the whole time? Or how has the fundraising changed as your organization's evolved? It constantly changes. I have to say that. Um, but also there are some core people who are still with us. Um, because they they have seen the fruit of their labor, let me put it that way, the right. fruit of their labor. So um, as long as we continue to do what they feel like their money is good for, then they continue to support us. But it has changed, too. Um, not only the, the, the donors um, have changed as far as dynamic, but di- demographics, too. Mm. We have been able to reach people through... Um, definitely being a woman of worth uh, has definitely garnered us more exposure and more support uh, for what we do. Uh, being a CNN top 10 hero also. Excuse yeah. me, one minute. Excuse me. Of course. Yeah, I watched um, in preparation, I watched that CNN, one of the few different CNN videos of of you. And uh, the headline was something like, you know, Chicago, Chicago lady feeds kids for thanksgiving and uh i expected to see this um you know just like 
you and some kids in your home. But no, it was a huge tent filled with like <laughs> thousands of people and rows of like, you know, sweet potatoes and macro. The food looked delicious. But the, the scale behind it was amazing. Well, that, that was our ninth one. Um, that's called Theater Team, our thanks, annual Thanksgiving dinner. And it came about because so many kids were coming to my house three years in a row for Thanksgiving dinner. And, and uh, you know, I didn't want to turn them away, and it got to be so many. My mom and I said, wait a minute. we got to do something about this. So we went to one of our donors and asked if they could help put a tent on a vacant lot across the street. And that's how it started nine years ago. Wow. And it's grown since then. And I'm so honored and proud of the young people who come to that event. They look forward to it every year. And they bring their families. Mm. So um, I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it seemed like a, a, a great event. And what I found so compelling about your story and even just chatting today and hearing more about it, it's it just it's it's um, it's simple. I think we can really overcomplicate things. And, you know, I'm a self-described charity nerd and love the nonprofit and the numbers. And um, but at some level, it's just simple, like uh there are kids who don't have a place to eat on Thanksgiving or a family to yeah. share it with. So let's provide a meal for them, you know, like problem solution. There we go. Uh, and, and I just, I love the, the purity of, of your work and your story. It's just, um, yeah, it's just straightforward. It's not overly complex in a beautiful way. <laughs> because it is simple, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's what we really, this, this country was really built on was the coming together of families and, and the community taking care of its own and uh, making sure that one kid graduates or that one family can have a meal. That's, to me, that's the way I grew up. My mom and her sisters, we always were on the block and uh, one family got in turmoil. We all went there to get in turmoil, you know, mm. to help. So uh, that's the way I feel these young people are missing. They're missing that. Mm. That's the key piece here. And that's why violence and gangs is so prevalent in our communities because we've let that lax and I blame my generation for that, that we, we, we let that go and we should have kept that. You know, that was our stronghold. Do you think it's kind of coming back, you know, in this younger generation, are they, you know, uh, longing for that? Or do you see these um, signs maybe that more of that community-based feel is coming back? Definitely. I do know that there's a hunger for it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 when I wake up in the morning, even the days that I'm like today, I'm battling the flu and I, I haven't been able to be out. Um, boys as young as nine and 10 are knocking on my door. You know, they, they, they want something in their community that's stable, that's consistent, that's, that's available to them that they can count on because everything changes so fast and, 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 and the violence it's um it's rapping in our communities uh to the point where somewhere peaceful and safe is like a luxury now mm-hmm. you know so they want that but so do the so do the adults because right. i know i do right i do yeah um something as simple as sitting on your porch at night right in the summer right. that i took for granted growing up is now so awesome, you know, to do. Right. Um, you know, one of the, the questions that um, nonprofits get asked all the time, right, is 
how do you how do you measure success or how do you define impact? Um, how do you how do you measure success or define impact for for you and kids off the block? Um, I define it by the young people I serve. If they're moving, if they're progressing, if we're saving a life, to me, that's impact. That's progress. If they're able to uh, go to college first, first somebody out of their families to go to college and to actually graduate and then come back and help in their community, that's progress. That's impact. If they're able to get a job and put down the drugs and um, and see a future, that's that's impact. That's progress to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, like the need for impact and you know uh, measurement and ROI and these types of things and transparency, like those are all good things and they come from a good place. I just think sometimes it's really really hard. You know, like how do you quantify? the life change that you have in a nine-year-old by just giving them a safe spot to go at night, you know, like, how do you, how do you determine the ROI on that? And even if it they do that for two months and then, you know, you never see them again, like maybe that was just hugely pivotal two months. Like, how do you measure that? That's, that's one of the big problems I have with people saying everything needs to be measured and everything needs to be transparent. It's like, man, how do you quantify that? You know? That you're so right. That was one of the hardest things for me to because how do I, how do I write on a piece of paper, the story of a, a 13 year old like Maurice who came to my door seventh grade, and says, Miss Diane, I want to change my life. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and I say, What life? You haven't even lived. <laughs> and he says, Yeah, but I was robbing people and beating up people. Excuse me. And um, and I said, wow. So how do I write that down a piece of paper that really he wanted to go to high school and play football? Right. So I think that's where even just the the story, right, the short version of that story. I think that's why storytelling is so, you know, important because, A, it, it may, means something. Right. So now I can identify with Maurice and, oh, like I played sports in high school, of course, like kids are kids. Um, but also it's a way to show that impact without needing to know like, oh, we served, you know, 18,000 meals and 2,700 kids and five this and just, you know, being able to say, no, Maurice was able to go to school or, you know, change his life. Like that's that's the, the importance of storytelling, I think, is is a great substitute for some of those things that are so hard to quantify. I do, too. I do, too. But I did learn how to um, hmm. to tell their stories. And what I found out that was surprising was that they wanted their stories told. Right. <laughs> yeah, because that's a good point, actually, because, you know, a lot of people maybe assume um, for whatever reason, like, oh, you know, if they've had a tough upbringing or they lost someone, like they wouldn't want their story told. But you are you don't find that. Is that true? That's true. I found out that they want their stories told. Right. They want somebody somewhere to know what's going on with them because I, I remember being young and far back as it was, but <laughs> I wanted people to care, to know that I was trying, you know, I wanted people to know that um, it was hard, but I was trying as a, as a young person and if they would just be there. I, so I wanted people to know not that I was going to run and tell them, right. but, but I wanted them to know. Yeah. So, um, that's a great yeah. reminder. 
you know, just like everyone has a story and like who who doesn't want to have their story told? I mean, for the most part, um, right. but they're, they're maybe not going to, you know, raise their hand and say, please tell my story necessarily, you know. But no, they're when, not. Yeah, but when you ask them, for sure, they're they're very interested. That's a really good reminder. Um, you mentioned earlier the the women of worth um, and that the program with with L'Oreal Paris. What what did that mean to you and 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 uh, kids off the block? Oh wow! I um, <laughs> I, I, I was so honored. My by the way, um, they're now um, this is the twenty seventeen. Uh, they're reaching out to new women of worth and. I can't wait to nominate somebody. It's so awesome. Uh, because that experience really, um, I have to say the biggest I, uh, deal for me was Bloomberg, which changed my entire way of thinking um, about how I was helping young people. Hmm. The experience was amazing. The other women, I, I wanted to vote for them myself. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing amazing things. Hmm. And to know that I have, other women across the country who are doing things in their communities and changing lives. And it was so inspiring. And the people that I met uh, along the way, um, women of worth showed me that, you know, you get bogged down in the work and it can become stressful and all that. But women of worth showed me that we're fierce Mm. as women and that we can do these things. And that we can build camaraderie and, and, and have love for each other. I, I was so inspired, I'm telling you. I was in tears most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> because Women of Worth is more than what I saw when I used to look at it online. Right. And to actually be a part of it. And the exposure, I'm still getting exposure for it. Mm-hmm. L'Oreal also uh, helped us to get uh, a building. You know, we were in my home. So um, L'Oreal helped us, helped us to get the building next door. And now we're going to have a technology entrepreneur center for oh. the young people in my community. And I am overjoyed uh, with Carly Claus, uh, who started the fundraiser. This is just amazing um, wow. what they've done. So cool. Uh, what What's next for you and Kids Off the Block? What's next is the technology center. Oh. Um getting it up and running and we were last year we launched uh, the technology center at another um, agency and we had 50 students and now we'll be able to serve over 200. We want to give them careers, not, not summer jobs, not seasonal jobs, but lifetime skills, uh, which is what our young people in our communities are lacking. So we want to train them for uh, lifetime skills and I can't wait until the center opens uh, so we can move forward um, with something that has been a dream of mine ever since I started. Mm. Awesome. So I'm very excited for kids off the block right now. And where can people uh, learn more about you and, and how can they get involved? Uh, www.kidsofftheblock.us. Um, you can send us a message through our contact page. Our number is there. Uh, 773-941-6864. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Um, <laughs> reach out to us. 
Um, we could always use help. Uh, I'm, my door is open not only to young people, but to volunteers, people who want to help. We need everybody. Mm. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for battling the flu and taking some time to uh, <laughs> to talk to us and, and for all that you do. It's just it's really, really inspiring. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, this is Brady, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the Generosity Freak Show. If you want to get all future episodes, please be sure to subscribe at generosityfreakshow.com, or you can just search the Generosity Freak Show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have comments, questions, feedback, you can email us at podcast at next after. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the Generosity Freak Show is produced by Next After, where I work. It, Next After is an online fundraising research lab that works with nonprofits to help them grow their online fundraising. And our mission is to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world. You can learn more about us and what we're up to and see our latest research at nextafter.com. Lastly, this show would not be possible without my co-host, Tim Kuchuriak, and our amazing mixologist and producer, Nathan Hill. So many, many thanks to them. So thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.